0: Welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast, and Merry Christmas to you all. A new year is swiftly approaching, and that is going to be the theme for today's show. Now, today, I will be speaking with Jim Miller, author of the book, Budgeting Doesn't Have to Suck. If you recall, a few weeks back, we spoke with Jared from Jrod Money about the mindset of budgeting. This week is not so much about the mindset and more about the practicality and physicality of making and following a budget. Now, a quick heads up before we get into today's episode, thanks to a silly mistake on my end, during the recording of this interview, my audio was taken from my web camera as opposed to my usual broadcasting microphone. So, you will notice a drop in audio quality immediately following this introduction. For that, I apologize, but the content of this episode will still be up to the level of quality that you have come to expect from me and from the show. So, with that, let's go ahead and bring on our guest. Jim? welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm,
1: I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, it's no problem at all. I'm happy you were able to come be here because you know what? I think this is going to be a fun topic. So as you know, this episode is going to be publishing and all our wonderful listeners are going to be listening here a couple days after Christmas and a couple days before the new year. So I think that is the perfect time to have this conversation of starting from zero, trying to get over that, maybe Christmas binge of spending too much on your credit card so you can impress your friends and family with gifts. And then we're also coming up on the time where it's, you know what, it's New Year's, it's time for a resolution. And for my resolution, I want to get my money right. So I think this is the perfect time to be talking to you about budgeting, the mindset, and what to do starting from zero to make sure that we get over this Christmas binge and make sure we're starting our new year right with our resolution.
1: I do too, Alex. I think this is the perfect time to be having this conversation and the perfect time for people to be listening.
0: Absolutely. So before we really get too deep into the craziness of it, because I do have a habit of somehow jumping into the middle of the content of the episode two (laughs) minutes into the introduction. But before we go too crazy at the rabbit hole, would you mind for the audience going a little bit into who you are, some of your background and just kind of what you do?
1: yeah i'll give a little background so i I live in los angeles my name is jim miller as you said uh, i'm an accountant cfo business owner personal finance expert and author of a personal finance book my goal isn't to be the next big personal finance thought leader but i know a lot about the subject and what's better than helping people who want to improve their lives and you know i didn't start this way i'm 43 years old as a kid, I was a great earner and saver, and but in my twenties, you know, like a lot of people, I had some credit card debt and I overspent and I, I didn't manage my money very well. I didn't have much in the way in discretionary funds or extra money because of it. I spent money on some stupid stuff, and the mistake was just not planning properly. So at the time, even in my twenties, you know, since since uh, college, I was a working accountant, and I put a budget together to see where I was at. And I think that's the most important step. And we can talk about that. But I built an Excel sheet. We didn't have apps back then. This is, you know, 2003 or four, And uh, I just kind of laid everything out and I made some projections. I honestly didn't read personal finance books, but I had read a lot of accounting books. That was what I was doing professionally. So I focused on increasing my earnings. I focused on reducing expenses, automating my savings and investing and really just monitoring my net worth. Alongside that, I focused on bettering myself and getting healthier and stronger, and you really need all those things to be more successful with money.
0: I swear, just about everything you've said just in the last 30 seconds has been everything I try to preach. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I mean, it's about making your money, making more money, making yourself more valuable so that you can get that raise, get that higher salary. Then you got to watch your expenses, make sure it's not flying out as fast as it's coming in, invest the difference. The best way to do that is with automation. If you can automate it, the more you take your choices out of your hands and the more you're able to figure it out ahead of time before you're in the moment, standing in the checkout line going, Hmm, I do want to buy this other thing. The more you can automate, the better off you can be. And honestly, you just, you nailed it straight to a T.
1: Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I mean, what you don't want to do is spend and then whatever is left gets saved. And that's how I used to do it. And that's how a lot of people do it as well but you need to save, invest, and then you spend. And automation is, is critical to that. Absolutely.
0: I 100% agree with you. And let's go ahead and start off. This is going to be a little bit of a budgeting episode, but more of a starting from zero from someone who's never budgeted. Now, for those of y'all who have listened for the last couple of weeks, I've been harping on budgeting. We talked to Jared from Jrod Money. We talked about more of the mindset of budgeting. Today, I'm wanting to talk a little bit more about the practicality of budgeting, how to make it easier, especially with automation, especially with apps, and just more the practicality of how to get started, especially if you're trying to, in the next two or three days, start a new year's resolution. So with that, Jim, what would you say would be your first couple steps for someone who maybe either hasn't budgeted before or has never done it consistently? You know, let's say we have our average listener who is a couple days away from New Year's and one of their resolutions is to, quote unquote, get their money straight this year.
1: Yeah, well, I'm gonna answer that in two parts if that's okay. So first, you know, you, you mentioned just getting over the holidays and Christmas and hopefully everyone avoided the wealth effect during the holiday. And so for those people who aren't familiar with the wealth effect it is, it's the idea that people feel more financially secure and confident about their wealth when their homes or investment portfolios increase in value, you know, such as the record-breaking levels the markets are at today. People spend more even though they don't actually have more money. And so that can create a lot of problems, especially around the holidays. People overextend themselves and maybe your 401k balance or your house or whatever shows a higher value, but that's not realized money that you have to spend. So stay away from the wealth effect. And I I hope all your listeners did. As far as the new year, the most important thing that people need to do when setting this all up for the first time is to make it realistic. And if this is your first time budgeting, your first time getting into some of this stuff, you don't want to sit down and develop this plan that doesn't match your values in your life. You know, if you're a, a young person who likes going out to, to restaurants and bars, you don't want to set your budget for that sort of thing at $10 for the month. You're just going to fail and then you'll go back to your old ways and you're going to lose the plan altogether. So the most important thing is to be realistic with what you're doing. And if this is totally new to you, I would say do it in baby steps. Set up some small goals at first and really just be honest with yourself as you're developing your budget.
0: Absolutely, and the thing about budgeting is it doesn't have to be perfect the first time. Dave Ramsey says all the time that it's gonna take you three or four months before you really get it nailed down. Absolutely. budgeting, again, I'm gonna echo what me and Jared had said a couple weeks back, having your budget doesn't mean you're necessarily cutting everything back all at once. If you want your budget to say $300 a month for eating out or going to the bars with friends, that's an option. It's your budget. You can do it how you want. Obviously, if you're listening to this conversation for the topic of getting your money right, that's probably not the way to go. (laughs) But it's better you start bringing that cost down instead of cutting it from zero. If you start with $400 a month of going out to the bars, eating, drinking with friends, and you try to cut that to zero right off the bat, you're just setting yourself up for failure. Absolutely. Take advantage of those three or four months. It's going to take you to really get this right Maybe go from four hundred to three hundred, then maybe from three hundred to two hundred, or just wherever you want that final amount.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I listened to your episode with Jared. I, th- I thought it was excellent. Um, both of you had some really good points, and, and I think that's a good one because that's the number one reason that people are going to fail. You know, and that's the reason a lot of if we can use the term New Year's resolutions. You know, a lot of people aren't successful with them is because they they sort of draw up this dream plan of how they think things should be, but that's not reality. And that's not what would make them happy. Those maybe don't match their values or maybe it does match their values, but it's going to take some time to get there and they need to practice and develop some better habits in order to get to that place. So super important and absolutely agree with you there.
0: And it's not even just like you have to have it right for you. Going back to our example, we were talking about going out to the bar with friends. You not only have to train yourself, but you also got to sort of train your friends to realize that, hey, I'm taking this budgeting thing seriously. Because it's real easy to sit down with a piece of paper and say, okay, I'm spending $400 a month on going out and hitting the bars. You know what? Let's cut that to $150. is really easy to say that until it's Friday at 5 o'clock and you're getting a text from three or four of your friends going, hey, we're all going out to insert Irish pub name here. Uh, <laughs> do you want to come?
1: Yeah. Absolutely correct. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, that's why so many of these plans don't work out and people don't like them. And people have this negative aura around budgeting, or some people do, uh, you know, some of the most successful people and companies, I think, basically, the finance function is the same for people and companies. But, you know, it has to be it has to be realistic.
0: Absolutely. So you had said there's two things we got to look out for. the first was be realistic. What, what's the second one here?
1: To lay it all out. So you need to be realistic and you just need to lay out all the facts. So the first thing to do, and this is the least fun part of the entire process, but be honest about where you're at. And, you know, if you're someone who has credit card debt, you just need to face it and look at it and, and write it down on a piece of paper. And I talk about this in my, in my book, the first chapter is lay it all out. And you just want to write down your, your situation so that you can deal with everything really directly. Don't try to push anything to the side. Don't try to assume that something will be handled or taken care of. Lay it all out, get it done, and just address it face on. You will have much better results if you do.
0: So I'm curious about, obviously, I'm thinking of a couple examples in my head. I imagine the listeners at this point have their own thing that they're imagining. But as far as lay it all out, could you maybe give us one or two examples of something that people should lay out, but they're really just deluding themselves if they try to ignore it?
1: Yeah. No, that's a great question. And, you know, lay it all out. Literally take a piece of paper, your computer, your phone, whatever your preference is, and write down your entire financial picture, every debt, everything, you know, where you want to get to and just map it all out. So it's, it's there right in front of you. And then it's really easy to sort of address things. If someone just starts, if someone sits down with an app or a Excel, whatever they use, hopefully an app, because they're so convenient these days, and they just enter this ideal budget, 99% of the time, that's not going to work. You need to lay out the facts first, really let yourself see where you're at, let it sink in, and then develop a plan from there. And kind of like you said, so that it's gradual or it takes a few months, totally okay. But you need to start with the facts, not with your dream world.
0: Absolutely. And honestly, I didn't realize you were talking about, so what I call it is a personal balance sheet because, you know, companies have a balance sheet. And then people, I mean, you can do the same thing. All it is is a listing of everything you own and then everything you owe. It's the same thing that people use to calculate net worth. So if you have a car, you're going to list that. If you have a checking account, you're going to list that. Savings account, you list that. So everything you have gets listed out and then you list out all of your debts. And then using that, that is a full picture, at least if you did it right. It's a full picture of everything you have and everything you owe.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Honestly, I make one of those after every paycheck. I actually have a Google sheet that I just have a personal balance sheet. And then I actually keep track of it month to month. I track it because that to me is the best way of tracking to make sure that my goals are being moved towards. I'm going where I'm supposed to go. And especially if you do that month to month, if I make just $2,000 a month and my net worth is the same from January 1st to February 1st. Well, I must not have saved anything. Whatever I got paid in that month vanished. But if my net worth goes up maybe $500 of that $2,000 that I got paid, well then maybe I saved 25%. Obviously there's some fluctuations with market growth and if you're in stocks, bonds, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I like tracking that as a meter of, okay, my net worth has progressed over the last month and that's usually due to you know a 401k or putting money in an IRA whatever mm-hmm. but having that balance sheet and being able to track it accurately will give you a much better barometer of success than just following your budget.
1: Absolutely, and you hit on a lot of good points there and you know I think the main one that stands out for me is that personal finance is not any different than what it is for a business. You know, if you know how to increase income and reduce expenses, then you know what a company should be doing too. If you're a person with enough money, you know, then you focus on improving your skills and you know, increasing your network. If you're a struggling business, you focus on your margins and your marketing, or maybe you launch a new product for a new income stream, which would be a side hustle, I guess, to an individual to use kind of that buzzword, but it's all the exact same thing. And you're absolutely right. uh, Comparing the balance sheet to sort of your, you know, your, your net worth. Um, And that's an important exercise for people to do. In fact, monitoring one's net worth is what I suggest and recommend as sort of the gauge that people should use for their financial performance and financial success.
0: Absolutely agree with you, Jim. And you know what? I'm actually glad we have you here because you are the particular expert here. So we're talking about doing things right with your budget. Now, we've referred to your book a couple times now, but we never really said the title. So you are the author of the book, Budgeting Doesn't Have to Suck for Young Adults Who Want More Money. That's correct. So for someone who specifically writes about budgeting doesn't have to suck, What are some ways, just going off your title, that can make this process easier?
1: Yeah, the first thing that jumps out is using an app. So there are a lot of them out there. You know, a new one could pop up between now and the time that people are even hearing this. Personally, I use Mint. I've been using it for a handful of years, and it works great for me. You know, there's Personal Capital, Tiller, YNAB. There's so many options out there. So what I recommend to people is try a couple of them. And then after a week or two, get rid of the one you don't like as well and keep the one that you like the most. There are a lot of options. For me personally, I like Mint. And I think that makes the process a lot easier. You don't have to import transactions. You spend a little time and even on your phone, just classifying transactions. And it really does all the hard work for you.
0: So I do want to hammer on something real quick, just before we move on and sort of dissect what you just said. But when we say categorize an expense, just to make sure we're talking about, you know, a transaction comes across $20 at, I don't know, Texaco. Mm. And you need to go in there and say, hey, this Texaco expense, that should go in the gas category. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay, so that's what we're saying about categorizing. For those of you who have never used the software before, it will pull in your transactions automatically, but it might not be able to recognize what kind of expense that was
1: right like it could be target for example and you don't know if that's paying a bill or if that's something that you bought at target
0: and even then if it was a grocery run you might classify target under groceries but if you were buying clothes you might classify it as clothes
1: great example exactly
0: so because of that the system doesn't try to guesstimate for things that could be a wide range so occasionally you need to go in there and say oh well that target trip that one was groceries This one was this. So there is a little bit of work in that you have to go and categorize expenses. Mm -hmm. But now that we've got that covered, I 100% agree with using an app. I have used Mint. I liked it for a bit. But honestly, I wasn't too, too serious at the point that I was trying it. Uh So I really can't have an opinion on it. I've used Personal Capital for the last several years, and I loved it, especially how it tracks your portfolio. I'll
1: have to check that out. Yeah, I know. It's very popular.
0: Oh, it's very good. I enjoyed it. And it's free. But going off of what I've heard on various message boards and financial Facebook groups, uh, never ever sign up for the free, uh, have a financial advisor, review your portfolio. 100% free, no obligation. Because apparently what happens is, I mean, they deliver. But apparently what happens is immediately afterward, you start getting like three or four emails a day. Try professional management by personal capital.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how they get you.
0: Oh, absolutely. So just don't sign up for the, for the free, have them check your portfolio thing. But they do have some automated portfolio tracking stuff, which is magical. One of my favorite things is, so if you have five or six different accounts, which is totally doable because, you know, your 401k, your company might use broker X to manage your 401k. Your HSA might be with group Y. Your IRA might be with a different company. Something interesting that personal capital does is it will look at everything you own in every one of your accounts, and it will give you your total portfolio diversity with no boundaries for your accounts. It'll just tell you, okay, you own 10 shares of this, 15 shares of this, 30 shares of this. So it gives you one big overlook of where is your money invested. And that part is something I don't think I've seen with any other program.
1: No, that's great. That's very cool.
0: And then two weeks ago, I think I shared it on Twitter. I started with YNAB, which is just You Need a Budget, which is a rather clunky name. But mm. I'm trying out the software. It's a little weird to get used to, but I think I've kind of gotten the hang of it now. And they say that online all the time, that there's a learning curve. But thus far, I'm loving it. Interesting. I'll keep you all informed as I endeavor with You Need a Budget. <laughs> <laughs> but having a budgeting tool will make your life 10 times easier.
1: Absolutely. I would almost say it's critical.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that too. Because doing it by hand is fun for like a month. Then you get into the second month and it's just tiresome. Then you get to the third month and then it just, you know, taken from your book sucks.
1: Yep, you got it. I I actually built a big Excel workbook, um, you know, years ago, you know, kind of like I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation. And that's how I did my budgeting. And, you know, I had my actuals and my forecast, which was my budget in there. And and it gave me sort of my net results. And I shared it with some friends. And actually, I used to share it on my website as well. And I've since taken that all down because it's there's just no need to spend that kind of time with it anymore. And best of all, of course, if you're using one of the apps, then you can carry it in your pocket. You know exactly what you can or can't spend at any given moment. No excuses.
0: No, absolutely not. Especially when setting this stuff up might take as little as like an hour. Yep. Like you sign up for personal capital or mint or you need a budget. You sign up you link your accounts to it and that maybe takes an hour and then boom, it takes everything for you. It handles your tracking it handles your budgeting. And I think, I think all three of the ones we mentioned do live tracking of where your spending is as well as historical where your money has been going and then also budgeting for planning ahead of time. So very useful stuff.
1: Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: So now that we've talked about automation for just keeping up with your budget, what about some automation for getting you ahead? So let's assume that we take our average listener here. Again, we're in the middle of Christmas coming up on New Year's. You know, maybe they overspent on their credit card to buy all the presents and they're deciding that, you know what, I'm gonna get ahead on this budgeting thing. Mm-hmm. And then they go and, you know, they've listened to our episode at this point and they're like, you know what? Hot diggity, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get me some of this budgeting software. And let's say, hypothetically, let's extrapolate forward another week or so, mm-hmm. that they have their budget set up, they're going with the plan, and by some magic, they're able to finagle things to where they have extra money at the end of the month. How can we use automation to get ahead besides just you know, going paycheck to paycheck?
1: A lot of good questions there. I think the first thing is save first automate your savings first. So if you're an employee on the day where you typically get your paycheck, set up an automated transfer from your checking to your savings account, or even work with your HR department to have it automatically go to your savings. So a portion of your check goes to your checking, a portion of your paycheck goes to your savings, however you want to do it. Have you know money go off to a brokerage account, but automate that. So the money's not even there for you to touch to be part of your budget. And you know, some people like to set up separate savings accounts for different things. I personally don't advise that or do that myself, but whatever works for people, do it. You know, if you want to open a savings account and that's your annual travel account, do that. That's great, because then that money is sequestered and it could be separate from your emergency savings or your investment account. So certainly automate every piece of that so that when you have money to spend and you look at your bank account after that payday or whenever your income comes in, whatever that looks like for every individual and for each individual, uh, you're left with really just expenses that should be in your budget. And that should include some of the fun stuff too. Dining out, going to bars, entertainment, whatever that looks like.
0: 100% agree. Something that I do actually is My employer is rather generous in that they allow you to select up to four accounts to direct deposit your check into. Mm -hmm. And then you can set it for, you know, put either a percentage of my check into this account or a fixed dollar amount, whatever. So what I do is I set about 60 to 65% of my paycheck to go into one account and then the rest into my checking account. Awesome. And what happens with that first account is over the course of a month, two checks go into it, and then my mortgage pulls from that account. So I don't have to worry about paying my mortgage. Mm -hmm. My investing comes from that account. So I have $300 per check coming out of there to go straight to my IRA. Perfect. And then obviously what's left over is the emergency fund. So what's going to end up happening over time, and rather what is happening, is that you know, say I have $1,000 just for the sake of math going into that second account. Well, over the course of a month, I'm going to get two paychecks, so two thousand dollars in the account. Mm-hmm. Well, if my mortgage is a thousand, okay, now I'm down to one. And then I had three hundred dollars per check going into my IRA, so then that's six hundred coming out. So what's left is that four hundred, and that four hundred, there's no auto draft for it. Mm-hmm. So that four hundred is just a contribution to my emergency fund. Perfect. So in a couple easy steps, which really is just, you know, one submission to HR. Hey, can you split up my check like this? And then going on to my mortgage lenders website, and then going on to my brokerages website, you just set up the auto draft for personally, I like to wait for everything to settle. So a lot of people say set up that auto draft for the same day you get paid. But to me, I work in a bank. So sometimes you get that check, but you know, it's still pending for a day. Right. So it's not technically there, but it's gonna be there. I don't like messing with that. So I set my stuff for the day after payday. Smart. And then I just tell myself to not check my accounts during that one day.
1: That's a great point.
0: So the point is you can use that kind of automation to where with me now having to do nothing, my mortgage is paid, my emergency fund is being built, and my IRA is being funded. So that's just one example of just setting up those payments. I now no longer have to save for retirement because my 401k is automatically getting taken out of my check and then my IRA is also automatically getting taken out although it's after I, it hits my account but I don't have to physically go do anything yep and i'm taking care of all of it
1: yeah and it's amazing the psychology behind it there's books written on it but the power of automation is incredible and you know once people discover the secret and the power of automation it, it's pretty amazing how that works and that could you know develop and spill over into other areas of people's lives but talking about finance super critical. And that's great. Everyone should do that.
0: All righty, Jim. So today thus far, we've talked about budgeting, automating, and especially using that automation to not only track your expenses and help you get your spending under control, or rather under better control. But we've also talked about how we can use budgeting to get you ahead financially, and you know, saving for an emergency fund or Putting money into investment accounts. There's one other topic I really want to hit on while we're talking about automation and budgeting, and that is how this would be applied for someone who has a ton of debt. And not even just a ton of debt. What we can do is, you know, Christmas was a few days back. Let's say hypothetically, we've got someone who spent maybe an extra $500 or $1,000 that they didn't need to. How can we use budgeting and this automation to really tackle that debt and get ahead?
1: Great questions. And hopefully people avoided the wealth effect that we discussed before. Now, if someone's been doing this or they're a good saver, they'll have some savings so it won't throw them off course too much. But for speaking to the people who don't have that, you know, obviously debt is the first thing you want to address. The, the general advice for people with debt that I give is, you know, one, start spending less than you earn. Two, establish a small emergency cash fund. Three, halt the creation of further debt, of course. Four, pay off any smaller balances first. It's a psychological thing. It just is less for you to deal with and worry about. Uh, five, look for reduced interest rates. Six, self-educate, automate, and grow your income. Growing your income is so important as part of this conversation. You know, budgeting is not just about reducing expenses and categorizing expenses and saving and investing. So much about this process is growing your income, uh, becoming a better person. You know, you also need to make yourself better better in general. If you feel like garbage, you're not going to have better luck with money. Things won't improve, I promise you. You know, Put better food in your body, treat yourself a little bit better. I think that's great to think about, especially as we enter a new year when people are doing resolutions and, and that sort of thing, looking at their goals. And then uh, lastly on that is just budget and never let it happen again. Credit cards should really be used for emergencies only.
0: Absolutely. And I can agree with absolutely everything you just said there. Except for one thing, but you know, I'm not gonna harp on it. Personally, I like using credit cards, assuming you can pay it off hundred percent at the end of every month. But if we're talking about someone who's, you know, got a lot of debt right now, that's probably not the direction we want to go in.
1: Yeah, just to be clear, I, I'm a big fan of credit cards and using credit cards. I use a credit card at every chance I get. I earn, you know, mileage, reward points, cash back. So absolutely credit cards can be our friends. If you have the discipline to use them, I would say 100%, like you said, you just have to be able to pay it off each month. And if that's something that's tempting for you not to do, stop using your credit cards. But for everyone else, credit cards all the way, as long as the annual fee that you're paying doesn't exceed the benefit that you're getting uh, in the form of rewards, you're good.
0: Absolutely. And the key thing there is discipline. Credit card companies are making it really good to have a credit card because, oh, look, we'll give you 5% cash back. We'll give you 6% cash back. We'll give you, you know, access to a lounge. You know, we'll give you, you know, a free checked bag on every flight, whatever. Right. But the trick is the discipline. If you get that free checked bag, which is maybe worth $50, and let's say you fly twice a year, so that's $100 in benefit. If you end up paying $600 in interest because you keep carrying over a balance, That $100 isn't really much of a benefit now, is it?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So the name of the game with credit cards is discipline. Now, we kind of went down the rabbit hole with credit cards. But the point is, at this stage, assuming you're the person still listening here that's in debt, and you're using budgeting and automation to try to get ahead, you're probably going to want to lay off the credit cards until you get into a more secure position. And then it's practice. You got to get into the practice of if you're paying something on a credit card that you're going to pay that off. Like there is no option for -hmm. you to let that roll over.
1: Yeah, and that's the same advice I give people. I I agree with you completely.
0: Well, hot diggity, we're just two peas in a pod. (laughs) 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 So I think with the seven steps, not only are you trying to get ahead, track your expenses, but you need to stop taking steps back. This isn't a game that you can really win by two steps forward, one step back. And that one step back is always debt. Mm-hmm. So sometimes debt can be used to get ahead, but in a lot of cases, and for the majority of people, especially the majority of Americans, it's one step forward, two steps back. And that's how they win. That's how Visa gets to be one of the biggest companies right now because, yeah, they'll give you 3%. But you know what? They're giving you 3% on your purchases. They're charging you 24
1: Exactly. Yeah, no, they're definitely not losing, and they've got a lot of smart people doing the math over there. You will not win against them.
0: Well, now that we've gotten morbid. (laughs) 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 Hold on, I I got it. Well, see, I would argue with that slightly. Can you win? Yes. But it takes a tremendous amount of discipline. Winning with credit cards is like winning a diet and losing weight while still eating chocolate cake. Can it be done? Yes. Yes. But are you prepared to run the 15 miles a week it takes to burn off all those calories? <laughs> so, with credit cards, you can spend, but as long as you pay it off. I mean, for every one of us that uses a credit card responsibly and takes advantage of the rewards and gets paid more than Visa does, mm-hmm. you have, you know, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand people that are carrying over a balance every month. So, on the net, Visa's fine with paying you all this cash back because for every one of you, there's a thousand other people that are paying them 24%. No question. Sad, but true. And I mean, that's that's what we're here for. That's what we're talking about. That's what my podcast is for. That's what your book is for. That's what your blog is for. Just helping people see that this is what is happening. Now that you know this, do you want to be the guy paying 24% or do you want to be the guy earning five? Absolutely. So Jim, with that, We've talked about your book. We've talked about your website, some of your philosophy, you know, budgeting, getting ahead in life, especially not just with your money, but with your actual life, eating right. We didn't get too deep into that. But then again, this episode was about budgeting. So with that, I think we've hit that nail directly on the head and definitely given some more food for thought for the audience here. Absolutely. So with all that said, where can my audience find out more about you?
1: Yeah, the best place to find me is on my website, which is IamJimMiller.com. From there, you can find all of my social media. I'm on Twitter. I'm especially active on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, My book, Budgeting Doesn't Have to Suck, for young adults who want more money, is sold everywhere great books are sold. Amazon and my website can help direct you to all those places. So I appreciate it. And IamJimMiller.com is probably the best starting place for all that.
0: And not just the website, but all of those links will be in the description below, so you can find anything and everything that is Jim Miller. Unless, of course, you're looking for the MMA fighter or the senior director at Google.
1: (laughs) There's a lot of us (laughs) out there, unfortunately. Pretty common name.
0: (laughs) I made that mistake a couple times. I Googled you, and I was like, wow, I didn't realize this guy had done a a, a TED Talk. (laughs) And I was like, oh, wait, that guy works for
1: Google. Sometimes it helps me. Sometimes it hurts me. (laughs)
0: all righty jim so before we get out of here do you have any last minute words of wisdom or maybe a final mic drop that you'd like to leave the audience with
1: Ooh, that's a good question i think a final closing remark would just be to self-educate so much of this stuff they don't teach in school or if they do they don't teach it well listen to podcasts like alex uh, you know main street finance Uh, listen to other podcasts, read other books. Buy my book as a starting point. You know, it's $9 and only 100 pages. It's written for young people who want to breeze through it. Uh, Literally no fluff, just action. And it's even free if you can't afford it. My team will email you a PDF. So self-educate, listen to podcasts like this. And I think that's the most important thing that people can do.
0: Absolutely. I mean, sometimes I have a bone to pick because I tend to be a really picky person, Mm. but this stuff isn't really taught but that's kind of a misnomer. It's not taught in schools, but there are thousands of blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels. There are thousands of people out there that are trying to help you, that really want to give you this information, that really want to make this information prolific for everybody out there. Absolutely. It's all a matter of doing a Google search, and you will find somebody who will you know, speak your language, who is talking at the level you need them to talk to, talking at the difficulty you need them to talk to, this all can be found for free. It's just a matter of doing that Google search.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much out there. And I, I think free is a really important part, especially when someone is kind of new to this and they're they're trying to see, you know, just to learn the basics and to kind of get some ideas. There's no reason to pay for anything. The information's there. Just search for it and find it. And anyone listening, it sounds like they already have.
0: Well, hot digging, especially they lasted all the way to the end of the episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. So with that, I think we're about to head out here. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. I think we've had a great conversation. There's definitely some good stuff, definitely some good links for all the listeners to go out and go check out, which are again in the description below.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's uh, an honor to be here. And I truly did enjoy the conversation as well. I hope it uh, helps get some people off to a good start for 2021.
0: Absolutely. And with that, I think we're going to go ahead and head out. For all you guys out there, do a Google search find yourself a new podcast, you know, stay with me, stay subscribed, but find yourself another one, you know, differing opinions will give you differing thoughts and those differing thoughts might give you the exact thing that you need. So with that, I'll see you guys next week.